Welcome to the Venue Solutions Podcast for August 17th, 2010. This is podcast number seven. I'm your host, William Sellers. And I'm your co-host, Matt Wallace. And I'd like to introduce our special guest host today, Scott Thompson, our CEO. Welcome, Scott. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Glad to have you here. And I'd also like to introduce our special guest, Brent Brown from Madison Parker Capital out of Boston. Welcome to the show, Brent. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. So we've got um, some housekeeping we want to go over before we get started. A um, little bit about our website. Our website is www.venue, that's V-E-N-Y-U.com. We also have a blog that we regularly post to at blog.venue.com. And we're also on Twitter at Venue, V-E-N-Y-U. Very good. So, Will, Scott, and Brent, today's topic is data protection for portfolio companies. And uh, obviously, Brent being from Madison Parker Capital. Brent, you see the value of having a data protection disaster recovery strategy for your portfolio companies. We're going to talk more about that later. We've talked before, talked about that previously. Um, so a, a BCDR plan and data backup is a business insurance plan. It gives the business the assurance that their data is always available or quickly recoverable in the event of a data loss or natural disaster. So Will, you know that I like to quote stats. I can't help it. It's just part of who I am. Stats are good. Stats are good. Some people think they're boring. It's like, oh, here we go, some stats. Bring out the, the pie chart. But uh, I think this is kind of interesting. So 38%, this was from a recent InfoWeek study, 38% of businesses have a DR plan. Or should I say that only 38% of businesses that's, have a DR plan? That's 62% that don't. That's that's the point. <laughs> Gee, as a CEO who likes to drive revenue, that seems like an enormous opportunity, right? Yes. Exactly. So, worse yet, and the here's the here's the rub to this whole thing. Thirty eight percent of that thirty eight percent don't test their DR plan at all. So they have a plan, but they don't even test it. So I think we'd all agree here that a that that a business is its data, and vice versa. Data is the business. So why is it that so many companies, Scott, downplay protecting their data? What's up with that? Well, I think part of it is probably probably due to the fact that they haven't actually ever experienced a disaster, right? So it's one of those out of sight, out of mind things. I mean, similar to what we experienced during Katrina, you, you don't have an event like that for 40 years. It's really not top of mind. Mm, sure. Um, but again, right after I mean, post-Katrina, what happened? I mean, then it's top of mind for everybody at oh, yeah. least in that immediate area. So I do think it's just a little of, hey, it hasn't happened to us. It's not going to happen to us. So therefore, is it really something that needs to be on my priority list? Sure. Well, that's that's valid. So this this goes to you, Brent. How big in, in your role and in the role of others that you see in your uh, your world of private equity and venture capital? How big of a risk mitigation role uh, do you guys play in your portfolio companies? Well, it's actually a relatively large role that's played by all of the companies, but it honestly depends on the type of investment firm that you're investing on behalf of as to the amount that would be put towards something of uh, this nature. But generally speaking, we all play a relatively significant role in risk mitigation issues. and. Those don't always revolve around data backup. Um, they include things also such as key man insurance, receivables insurance, et cetera. But overall, business continuity plans 
are a key area of diligence that we absolutely focus on during a discovery phase uh, of due diligence without a doubt. So have you come across companies in your due diligence that just don't have a BC plan at all? Absolutely. If you look at the type of companies that we invest in, and again, there's there's a number of different uh, players within the private equity and venture capital world, but we focus typically on the lower end of the middle market, which are companies that are two to seven million dollars of profitability. And so if you look at the people that are within the world, you know, companies of that size and, and that nature, they're generally family-owned businesses, uh, very small businesses that have grown from, you know, a one-man shop to 25, 30 people. And you face a lot of the problems that some, you know, relatively larger significant concerns have already dealt with. And that's, mm. they don't have a plan in place at all. And so as part of our diligence efforts, um, we zero in on, you know, the issues that they might face uh, as a result of not having um, a disaster plan in place. Because uh, for us, when we're either acquiring the company or putting a significant amount of equity in as a growth capital behind the team or the family, uh, we need to know that um, that equity is going to have some um, insurance behind it, um, not just from a legal perspective, but also from some type of a disaster perspective. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I understand that principal investment management firms, they approach their investments differently. Some like to micromanage and be heavily involved in all aspects, and others like to ha- just, just be hands-off completely, just put the money in and, and watch from afar. Right. How deeply do they, they delve into the business functionally, the ones that so- do get into it? Yeah. So again, it really it really depends on the type of investment firm and the type or the stage of what you're you're investing in. But um, for the most part, all of them um, get involved at least early on on a diligence side to determine what that continuity plan looks like. Um, most firms that I know of, um, and especially Madison Parker Capital, will not make an investment in any firm unless they have a um, business continuity and or disaster recovery plan in place. Um, I know that you guys mentioned a stat earlier of 38% of firms uh, have a DR plan in place, but the stat that's, that sticks in our mind that we um, heard of a few years back is that you know those firms that have had some type of a disaster, um, I think that the, the number, and you guys might know this stat as well, but you know within five years, those firms that have had some type of a disaster hit without a disaster recovery plan in place actually go out of business. And so you know, we make significant dollar investments in these firms and to have a major data loss um, would significantly put our capital at risk. And so it's short dollars for us to put a, uh, a plan in place to protect our capital investment. And so it's one of the things that we actually mandate as part of the investment uh, strategy when we uh, put capital into these uh, these companies. But um, more specific to your question, you asked how deeply we go into the business functionality. Um, you know, because we're investing at a at a smaller stage of uh, of company, we we are much more um, uh, involved at all levels of the uh, of the firm. So um, we um, in three of our portfolio companies uh, specifically, um, we've actually gone out and um, structured business development um, plans and continuity plans to help these companies understand the importance of this, and then actually help execute on those plans. And then others, when you're partnering with management, um, 
the the other companies that we've invested in, we have another, we have four other portfolio companies. They actually have DR plans already in place, and those plans might um, look a little bit similar to what um, people may typically use today, which are uh, tape backup drives. And so, um, you know, we make the suggestion um, occasionally at board meetings as to when is the right time to move from tape backup to online backup. And we are finding that um, based on where the businesses are today. Um, meaning those uh, businesses such as Venue, um, it's very much cost-effective uh, to think about making that uh, that shift in that strategy. And so um, those are areas that we are also um, looking at at the moment as well. Yeah, and an example that I go back to one of our success stories that we had with um, during Katrina, uh, we had a company that was interested in doing disaster recovery. It was actually a law firm located uh, in downtown, in downtown uh, New Orleans. And uh, they were kind of toying around with doing DR, and we eventually eventually got them to uh, get their DR plan and and settled and and, and tested. And literally that afternoon um, or the morning, the Monday morning, when uh, when New Orleans was taking heavy hits from the the levees breaking and everything, um, the customer declared a disaster with us. And they said, "Look, we don't know. We've really not tested everything completely, but." Um, you know, we, we've done what you told us to do, and we're, we're heading up to Baton Rouge to to um, to sit at our at Venue's Business Continuity Center, which is basically a cube farm that the customer can can sit in and access their data and, and whatnot. And literally, we had them fully recovered their document management system, their email, uh, imaging systems, everything up and running by the time the customer came and sat in our Business Continuity Center at at our location here in Baton Rouge. And it was really rewarding for us as IT staff to see the customer go, guys, I'm still in business. You know, everything worked properly. We sat down in our cubes and it was just like we were at our office. We didn't lose any of our data, any of our emails. Uh, our business continued. And on the flip side, when I saw pe- when I saw people come into the data center who had no business plan at all, and some of them were new customers right during Katrina, uh, you know, we've had people come and sit in our lobby just crying that, you know, they had to recover from, from nothing. And that's really hard to see people do that because, you know, you can talk about DR all you want. You can talk about backup and recovery. But until you see someone who's gone through it and is actually crying because they've, they've lost their business and, and their critical data, it's very, um, it's very rewarding when you see a customer, when it works for them and they see the full benefit of, of disaster recovery and business continuity. Yeah, it's, it's it's a significant issue for all of our companies that you know we really pay attention to this stuff. Uh, you know, two of the companies that we own um, are online businesses, um, both relatively uh, significant from a, a sales and profitability perspective. And if our database is corrupted and we're offline even for one day, that's that's a pretty significant hit to us. And so, um, you know, I can't even imagine going offline for multiple days or weeks at a time. That would be a um, a pretty um, significant hit that we wouldn't want to uh, have any of our companies have to deal with. Well, yeah, I think there was an interesting stat. So Brent kind of alluded to it earlier, but I think during Katrina there were several articles about um, companies who did not have a disaster recovery plan in, in place. That a- after the disaster, they in, in less than two weeks, if you can't get to your data, you're out of business. Yeah, so. that's a hard thing to deal with. You know, when you when you really start looking at you know how much is that data worth to a company? It's you know two weeks. It's not a long period of time, and you're gone after that. Yeah, isn't that amazing? And that's people's livelihood. You can talk about a business as something mm-hmm. won't run, but when you have employees that you have to 
to pay and you have customers that you need to you know keep keep going or abide by contracts it's really rough when you lose data for that extended amount of time yeah absolutely and and uh, you know with with one one of our businesses in particular we sell art supplies online and um, you know we have a, a, a triple redundant backup of our um, our database of our customer database of over a million names if, if that's something that we we lose that would be um, something rather significant that you know this company would not be able to uh, to be able to crawl back out of the hole. Well, so. what, what, what would you estimate the revenue impact to be, Brent, from an inability to have an online presence for, let's say, 14 days? I mean, how, how does that impact your revenue? So forget, let, let's just, I mean, uh, because that, that same business, and I'm familiar with it, it runs brick and mortar as well, right? Yes. So it's not like it goes out of business. But what, what are the sales uh, that are attributable to an online presence? And so, therefore, if you lose the ability or you have a disaster and can't, you know, can't recover that quickly, what does that equate to? So it, there's a couple different ways to, to answer that. You could literally look at the business and just say those 14 days out of 365 or however many days, you know, we're online 24-7. But realistically a lot of the sales happen during certain days of the week Monday through Friday but um, you could just take a straight line loss but I, I don't look at it that way because um, a lot of what we do um, we're impacting our customers on a daily basis and if we're offline for two or three weeks and people come to our site and they can't get what they want I might lose that customer forever and they may go to a competitor and for whatever reason they may not come back and so it's not just the short-term hit in terms of 14 days of sales. It could be the impact of those customers that were coming to visit during those 14 and the loss of those customers. And if I look at the lifetime value of that customer, it's a much more significant hit. Right. But I also think it, it, it depends on the type of business you're doing. Um, you know, something like art supplies or something like that will have a certain risk of being down. But when you look at other things like healthcare industry or utility industry or something like this, this is a catastrophic. You know, if you lose your patient data when you're getting ready to start doing open heart surgery, uh, you know, to look at imaging, that's that, that can be devastating. That can be life-threatening to, to a company or to an individual. Well, and, and, and certainly, I mean, the, the life-threatening aspect is, is one, is, you know, is one angle on it, but um, just from a regulatory I mean, things that things that these healthcare organizations are supposed to do in ordinary course of business, uh, they have to do these things now. I mean, again, I think we're still waiting from a regulatory compliance standpoint to see somebody in the healthcare industry get smacked around a little bit by. Yeah. We haven't seen that yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, certainly, we've seen it in the data breach world several times, and the, the fines are. N not inconsequential. So, but we're also at a, at a very interesting <clears throat> stage where many, many more companies are moving um, to either an online presence or they're maintaining many more electronic records than they ever have in the past. And it could be a healthcare services organization, a hospital, a retailer, um, even a restaurant, which we own. There, there are a number of different organizations that are now moving much more towards um, electronic. Um, materials, records, information. And I, I think what you're going to see in the not too distant future is uh, more issues as a result of that because they, are, they do not have 
a DR or business continuity plan in place to account for what happens if something impacts those records. Mm. And that's something that we're paying very close attention to right now. Um, also from an investment perspective, we think this is a very interesting space as well. Mm. But the more people move towards keeping and maintaining electronic data, the more potential issues you're going to have with those that don't actually back it up. And then there's a loss that results from some type of activity, whether it's um, a surge, a storm, uh, a theft, or something of that nature. Yeah, that's a really good point, Brent. Yep. Uh, thanks for addressing that the way you did too, Brent, showing that that large, the, the big picture perspective on uh, those 14 days, what that long-term impact is, because that, that's that's a great way to look at it, and that's the, the true story there. Um, so what's your advice, Brent, to other investment managers out there? How can they approach their portfolio businesses about DR and data protection? Uh, what angle would you suggest to uh, kind of give them a, a head start and help them uh, frame up the way they approach that? Well, generally from a due diligence perspective, um, many people that, are, that sit in a similar seat such as I um, should have this as part of their due diligence framework. And if they don't, they need to. But we absolutely address it when we look at any vulnerabilities that the business might potentially have during our um, investment horizon. And, uh, you know, we spend a lot of time talking to the companies. Again, we discussed key man insurance. Um, understanding the credit around receivables, et cetera, all the risks that you might face as an investor putting capital into a company. But um, with respect to you know d data backup and disaster recovery in particular, uh, you know we with our companies, and I think I told you there was a few instances. You know we sit down and we explain the op the variety of players that are in the space and the pricing and how we can go about potentially assisting them and executing on a strategy to get their information backed up, but with what's happening in the marketplace right now, there are a number of companies, and, and, and Venue in particular, just because we know you guys well, that will run a, uh, a very short-term test, will help us get up to speed and understand what's going on. And you know, after that trial period, you know, you'll understand very clearly how easy and effective it is to potentially use um, uh, an online data backup service. So you know, for those for those companies in particular, I know you asked me more about the professionals that are in the space, but in, in many instances, it's the professionals working with their companies to help them understand the importance of putting some type of plan in place. And, and again, for us, it's mandatory. For others, there may be wiggle room. But mm -hmm. you know, given the risks involved here and the short dollars to put to work, to create that insurance around your capital, it's 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 a no-brainer. So, um, you know, again, we're investing anywhere from five to fifteen million dollars, and so, you know, a, a loss of that magnitude would be devastating not only to that portfolio company but right. to our uh, fund in general. And so, that's not something that we're willing to bear the risk on. And so, we always make sure that we put you know something in place. And again, uh, in large part, there's a, a difference between online and um, offline and tape and we work with our companies to understand those differences and help them understand that you know there are um, now very clear benefits to moving um, their data into online triple redundant you know backups etc versus the typical uh, tape backup that some of them have been used to in years past yeah well, well I think one of the important things to also um, remember is that most of what we've talked about here today 
is really formulating. I mean, we call it a disaster recovery plan, but it's really a, it, it's a recover it's a business recovery plan, right? So it's not just the backup portion of this conversation is the easiest thing to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, the harder thing to do and or the more complicated thing to get to is how do we actually recover the business? I mean, I, I hate to you know dumb this down and and but it's the backup really is easy and it's really the recovery. I mean, that's where we need to spend the focus and the time. Okay, so you've backed it up. And, and whether that's tape or whether that's online or whatever, what is the recovery look like? You know, show me, you know, what the recovery time objective is. Do we need to be back up in three days? Do we need to be back up in 24 hours? Can we not stand any downtime at all? So then we're not having a back. We certainly still need backup then. But if I have to have immediacy in recovery, we're not talking about a backup and recovery. We're talking about high availability at that point, right? So yeah, you're, you're you're absolutely right, Scott. And I think the challenge that we have um, in a number of instances where you know you're you're a, you're a board member or an advisor to the company, um, getting them to um, effect some type of uh, uh, plan, uh, an online backup plan, um, is generally the easy thing that happens, and we do it. But then following through and putting together what that recovery plan would look like if you have to actually implement it, that is certainly another step. And that's not always the easiest thing that we've found to try to get the companies to um, to work towards. There's a lot of things that happen on a day-to-day basis, and that simply you know, sometimes falls off of the list of uh, priorities. But it needs to be on there, and it needs to be relatively high, and it's not something that's done every single day, but it's something that needs to be part of you know, an, a, a strategic plan that people do on an occasional basis, so that when it does happen, there is a you know there is a schedule, there's a, a you know step by step procedure that uh, the management team can take, so that they're back online quickly, and uh, you know the loss to the business is minimal. Right, and and I, and I think the last point, and this will this will loop back to what you asked me the first question. So you know, why is it that so many companies downplay this? And I, I mean, my response was because it's probably just out of mind. But I think in some cases what we've seen is because it becomes a profitability issue, right? I mean, and and they short-side themselves often in that conversation, Yeah. right? They think, well, if it's X, do I really need to spend X? And they don't ever take the next step, which really, which Brent just did for us, which is saying, hey, it might not just be loss of revenue for that time period. I may lose that customer for forever. So it's a little hard to calculate what that you know what that loss is equal to but but so at the end of the day it sometimes becomes a money issue right mm-hmm. do i just have it in the budget to do so yeah scott so we were looking at a a company that i can't uh mention a number of months back and uh, we noticed and it was also an, uh, a company that sold products online and uh, we noticed that there were five periods over a um, you know trailing twelve month period, five periods, five days, where um, there were no sales recorded, and we asked them what was going on, and their database got corrupted on five different occasions, and they weren't able to get it up online for twenty four hours, and you know we looked at that, and you know when we were talking to the company about why they just haven't you know made the shift to a more sophisticated, you know, platform where they can keep their business, you know, online 99.999% of the time. They talked about the cost associated with that. And then we did a back of the envelope with them. And again, this is a family-owned business, although it was relatively large in dollar amount. They lost $50,000 during those 5 days. 
and that's just during a trailing 12-month period. Who knows what happened, you know, two, three, four years prior to that. Did you? But did fifty that fifty thousand dollars they lost, and so trying to help them understand the importance of, you know, why they need to get their business up and running. It's just uh, well, you know, here, sometimes. Here's- here would be the more, I don't mean to interrupt you, but here would be the more important question to me, to, to, to that company that you were evaluating. Did you end up becoming involved with that company? Did, did you make an investment in that company? Uh, no, no, we did not. <laughs> okay, so, so, so there you go. So it really wasn't about the $50,000 that they lost in, in, that, in that five uh, period time frame. But it right. really then becomes about what did they just lose the opportunity to yeah. try to do because... Madison Parker didn't make an investment. So they passed, they lost a lot more than just the the revenue that they could have obtained in that five-day period, right? Exactly. And, you know, they just go, you know, when we talked through, you know, the plan, we, it was a lot of the decision-making processes that just didn't seem to, uh, to fit with our strategy. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you're absolutely correct. There's, uh, there are certain things about uh, the way that they were running their business that, uh, you know, we think we were just, you know, they were probably setting themselves up for failure at some point in the future. Right. Brent, you mentioned how short the dollars are to have an enterprise class solution. And, I, you know, I mean, I'm with Venue, so obviously I'll just mention Venue. But uh, with a solution like ours, it, to get backup and a uh, virtualized DR plan, which is virtualizing servers in our, in our farm here, it, it's it's just it's just not expensive to have. I mean that is enterprise class. Uh, Will do you want to add something to how great it is? No, I, I totally agree. I mean these days, you know, with with the advent of virtualization and not having to own your own disaster recovery platform, you know, you look at virtualization where you may have a suite of servers that are multi-purpose. Um, it's very easy. It's very cheap, and like like you guys were saying, it's a no-brainer not to do it these days. Well, it's an insurance plan, right? I mean, it is. It, 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 it's something that, uh, yeah, nobody really likes to have to pay for that, and hopefully we never have to use it uh, in some cases, and maybe in life insurance. I mean, one day we're going we're going to use it, right? But it, and, and for people who are regulated, part of this is stuff that they have to do anyways. Mm-hmm. So again, I come back to the person when during Katrina when we were in the office uh, during. When all the things were going bad, that Monday morning, uh, there was one customer who was ecstatic that uh, things were rolling fine, their business yeah. was up and running, and he had yeah. one customer who was literally, you know, bawling his eyes out because he had lost everything. You know, not in, not not to mention his home and mm-hmm. other things that he had lost, other tangible things, but now his business and his livelihood to recover himself is 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 is, is damaged. So, so that's a disaster. It's very impactful. You know, that, that's a true natural disaster. And those do happen because we've lived it multiple times here uh, in South Louisiana. But, I mean, just like Brent was saying, the, uh, the $50,000 loss due to a SQL corruption, you know, those little things happen too. Little, tiny little data loss events that have far-reaching impacts. And like you guys were saying, it's not necessarily the $50,000 or whatever you lose during a week's time or two weeks' time, but it's also your, your, your reputation as a business. Whereas if it gets out to the public that, well, you know, this was a problem because we didn't have backups, it can really be detrimental to a company's, um, you know, outside facing, facing uh, their, their focus or their, their reputation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's yeah. A so, point. you know, the, and again, I mentioned this before, but maybe in a different, uh, different way, you know, we uh, generally take, take the view that um, it may not be a hurricane or a flood that causes this data loss. It might be something 
you know, such as um, a power surge or a theft or something that you just can't really account for. It's the unknown that we want to protect against and then have multiple redundant uh, backups well, so I, that we and, can and, leverage anything. Right. And, and I think Gartner and Forrester both have pointed out at various times that greater than 70, maybe even 80 percent of the disaster, quote unquote, happens within the four walls of the data center. Yeah, it could be the human, customer's data. Center, it could be human example. error. It could be a right. DBA who, you know, he's a human, or the team that's working on it could just make a mistake. Well, hopefully he's human, yeah. right? You <laughs> know, hopefully he's not. But I mean, people do make mistakes, you, and when you, you don't, you're have, absolutely correct. You, I mean, the, the pushback that we've received when we talk about this internal with our companies is that, you know, we're we're not within a hundred year flood, you know, plane, mm-hmm. or you know, we're not in a hurricane or, or tornado area or anything that, and some type of natural disaster that could hurt this business. And we always point to the things that are within the four walls of the business that could potentially be devastating. Right, that's a that's a really great point, Brent, because I think a lot of times when people talk about disaster recovery plans, they only think about it from a natural disaster planning scenario. And so Brent's in Boston. I mean, he doesn't have any of those things that might affect him. I mean, except maybe a northeast blackout, huh, Brent? Right, or a winter storm. But in, even in that case, we are much more concerned about you know, the things that we just can't really foresee. And, uh, you know, outside of a natural disaster, the, the you know, loss from theft or some other type of, you know, uh, the, and I, I guess, you know, and Scott, you know this because, um, you know, um, I've been involved with you guys for a while. But listen, you know, there was a fire in the bottom of my office a year and a half ago. I remember and that. that uh, yeah, and, you know, it, it burned up the whole building. And so that's not, you know, that's nothing that anybody could have ever foreseen. There's no you know, natural disaster there. That was a fire in the kitchen of a restaurant that was just, you know, horribly devastating. And so, you know, we are also in here with two other law firms and, you know, everyone had a great DR plan in place and they were up and running within a day. And so, you know, that probably... Those um, are the kind of stories we example. like to hear. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So Brent, in summary, would you pick a couple things that you like to see in a uh, prospect uh, prospective uh, portfolio companies BCDR plan uh, or just in your own portfolio sure so um, we like to see a, a, a plan in place number one <laughs> that's 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 probably point number Everybody one write number, that down <laughs> <right>? <laughs> but uh, but but number two um, we like to make sure that the management team not only has the plan in place, but they know how to execute on it if and when um, they're going to need to do that. And then, of course, and, and I have to mention this, but you know, as an investment firm, and we, you know, we very much look at the dollars and cents on the bottom line, um, we need to make sure that um, it's a cost-effective plan. And you know, given some of the competitiveness in the market today, we're, we're not only trying to find the cheapest alternative, but we're trying to find the alternative that's both cost-effective, but that also gives us very secure backups and a great, you know, technical uh, support or helpline, so that you know, if and when we need to execute it, we've got a proven team on the other side that can step in and do what you know we've been paying them to do all along. It's get us up and running ASAP. That sounds awesome. like venue, Brent. That's wrong. <laughs> it is. You guys are in that category. There's no <laughs> doubt why, why. That's why I agreed to do the uh, the interview with that you. That was a shameless plug, wasn't it? <laughs> It's okay. We're shameless here anyway, so it's, it's all good. Um, so the the second one you mentioned, though, the uh, exec team being able to execute that DR plan. I can't stress enough how important it is. That's the first time is. I've actually 
That, that was very well put, Brent. Yeah. And be, most people just say test. Yeah. But, but it's really more important when the people show up and the building's not there now or the what? building's burned down, does everybody know what to do? Does right. everybody know who to call? I mean, there's there's a lot more to the plan than just recovering the data asset and getting the servers running again. You're right. Exactly. I mean, going back to the hurricanes that we're very familiar with here, it's not about just recovering the data, but getting people in the seats and getting connectivity, whether if it's off-site or, or, or at a facility like, like our BCC is getting people to the data. Well, Brent, I want to thank you from uh, us at Venue. Thanks for joining us today for this podcast. And, My pleasure. Uh, yeah, thank you, Brent. Appreciate it. I just Absolutely. Want to tell our listeners, uh, feel free. I mean, you can reach out to Brent Brown, Madison Parker Capital in Boston. Um, at your at your whim. But, Do you have uh, a website you want to? Yeah, why don't you give a shameless plug now, Brent? Go ahead. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's uh, it's just madisonparkercapital.com. And, uh, again, I'd be happy to talk to anybody if they want about uh, what we do with our company. Very good. Fantastic. Thanks again, Brent. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Take care. Bye-bye.